Hello, and welcome to the Elk River Lutheran Church Powered by Love podcast, recorded in beautiful downtown Elk River, Minnesota, right on the banks of the Mississippi River. Today we'll explore the Bible, life, and faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some sacred wit. To be powered by love is a spiritual thing More than a feeling To be powered by love Don't take money Don't take fame Don't take no credit card To ride this train It's strong and sudden It's cruel sometimes But it might just save your life To be powered by love Welcome. We are glad that you're with us here for online worship this morning. Welcome to Elk River Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Nathan Mugas, pastor here at Elk River Lutheran. I'm Lisa Sampson, Director of Children, Youth, and Family Ministry. Jeremy Halkus, Minister of Congregational Care and Discipleship. And I'm Taylor Quinn, the Director of Music and Worship. And our theme for this morning is this man in the mirror. And yes, that is a Michael Jackson song. Uh, more about that in a little bit. We will actually discuss that song a little bit. Um, but this morning, what happens is David is forced to kind of look in the mirror. Uh, his discretions uh, with uh, Bathsheba are brought to light. Uh, and so we're going to get to that. But we're going to start actually with Psalm 51, which is really a psalm of self-reflection, something that will be a pretty important part of David's life as he goes forward of looking in the mirror. Uh, and I think an important thing for us, too. And so we're going to continue now with this psalm, uh, Psalm 51. And it's read for us this morning. Uh, by Connie Natwick. Psalm 51. For the director of music, a psalm of David. When the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak, and justified when you judge. Surely I have been a sinner from birth, sinful from, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. 
you do not delight in sacrifice or i would bring it you do not take pleasure in burnt offerings the sacrifices of god are a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart O god you will not despise in your good pleasure make zion prosper build up the walls of jerusalem then there will be righteous sacrifices whole burnt offerings to delight you then bulls will be offered on your altar here ends the reading well thank you connie for reading for us this morning uh this psalm psalm 51 uh Okay, I've got kind of a funny little trivia question for you. Uh, I have seen this sometimes, I think probably because of like nerdy church youth groups or camp kids, uh, but sometimes I've seen uh, Psalm 51 verse 2 or Psalm 51 verse 7 uh, written in mud on the back of trucks, you know, when there's like all the dirt and you use your finger to write like Psalm 51 uh, verse 2. Why do you think they do that? What, what's the reason? Because you guys know? Do you all do you all know? Can you figure it out? Two. They're Bible nerds. They are Bible <laughs> nerds. Wash me. Wash, Wash me. Wash me. <laughs> Probably not the hyssop or nice. the or the whiter than snow necessarily, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's like when you write "Wash me" that on the back of the funny. truck. If you are a real Bible nerd, uh, you yeah. can write Psalm fifty-one verse 2 or verse 7 either no we're going to see those so. around town right yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that is funny look up scriptures so, uh, and thing. Yeah. So, yeah so there you go a little uh, little uh, bible background little tip <laughs> for if you uh, see a dirty car in your driveway um well uh so this psalm is a beautiful psalm and this is one that lisa's actually mm -hmm. mentioned before that is one of her favorites and so i'm just kind of curious so what what is it that you like about this psalm 51 well, part of it I mentioned before that as long as I've been doing youth ministry, um, I've always had create me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me as a reminder to stay away from the negative, stay away from the gossip, and to just remind myself that I'm a child of God and to live that way. And if you go down to verse 12, it says, restore to me the joy of your mm -hmm. salvation. When you are reminding yourself to always live with a clean heart or try to anyway, you can experience that joy. I love that because it is self-reflection. This psalm is about us, right? It's about mm -hmm. me reflecting on me. But, I mean, you're reading it as me reflecting on me for the sake of others around me, right? Mm -hmm. For the sake of the world. And mm -hmm. I think that's exactly how it's written. So I think that's a great way of reading it. I love that it's a, if you look at the way that it, it, it's written, um, it's restore and teach and all these words that are action. Yeah. Meaning that we're still a work in progress. And that's a good reminder exactly. for me. Yeah. I need to know that, that there's still progress to be made mm -hmm. um, and that I've got hope in that. I enjoy it, verse 16 and 17, for you have no delight in sacrifice. Mm -hmm. If I were to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice, accepted, oh, the sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you do not despise. I've always, I've loved that. I think, what was it, a couple weeks ago that we paralleled something with David and Jesus about sacrifices being the temple. And there was a quote from the Matthew text that said something greater, there is something greater happening than the temple. Yeah. And this brings, this, that, those two verses, 16 and 17, make me think of that. And that's always been a powerful concept for me, that, oh, yeah. that it's, it's, well, it's law versus love, you know, um, taking away the legitimate, or like the, taking away the law. 
Yeah, so. the seminary nerds would call it the law gospel dichotomy. Right. Ah. It's very good. Uh, you guys are such good theologians and biblical scholars. This is so fun. Um, because this psalm is so is so beautiful. And like, uh, if you're a big church attender, you know Ash Wednesday, this psalm is always read. Um, because Ash, you know, Ash Wednesday is that entryway into Lent, a season of self-reflection. And uh, in particular, reflecting on our, our sinfulness. But I love that, you know, reflecting on that, our own shortcomings, not just to tear ourselves down, but for the sake of building ourselves up, for the sake of those around us. I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of the gospel. It sets us free to do all those things that actually God does want us to do, to follow that law, you know. And so I, I think this psalm is a great uh, way into thinking about how we live a life of faith and uh, for the context of David's life and story uh, when you think about it in light of the story that we're going to think about today boy I mean these words of self-reflection and uh, acknowledgement of past errors or current mistakes um, I think really comes to life because uh, what we're talking about this morning here is the, the story of David and Bathsheba and the scripture text that we'll read here in a little bit is actually what comes next when the prophet Nathan shows up to uh, hold up the mirror to David, if you will. And so uh, I thought just as a little bit of a background, this part of the story of David and Bathsheba is probably the part that's most familiar to people. It's one of the juiciest stories in the Bible, if you will. And so uh, it, it may be familiar to you, but if not, uh, I'll kind of catch you up to the story. Uh, we've been talking all about David before he becomes king, but now all of a sudden where we're at in today's story is David is king. And so he's up on the roof of his palace overlooking the beauty of his kingdom, of his city, and then he looks down and sees the beauty of a woman. Uh, they're naked, taking a bath. Bathsheba, I don't know. I, I think that's an English. Uh, I don't think that connection works in Hebrew, but uh, it sure works for us to be able to remember Bathsheba's name. Uh, and anyway, he sees her, thinks she's beautiful, and because he's king, he calls to one of his servants and says, hey, servant, uh, go and get that lady. Bring her up to me. I would sure like to meet her. And so the servant does. The servant comes back to him and says, bad news. Sorry, king. She is married. So Sorry, didn't bring her. And he thinks about it and says, well, that's okay. Uh, actually, still go and get her and bring her to me. I don't really care. I'm the king. Uh, and so uh, that's exactly what the servant does in Bathsheba. I mean, she's in a tough position because here this is the king, so she doesn't have much of any choice. Uh, she's forced to go and to spend the night there with David. And uh, a while later, she sends word to let him know that she is pregnant. This is a problem. Even for the king, uh, adultery is a bad thing. And so uh, he sets about to solve that problem. He finds out that uh, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, is a soldier in the army. So he uh, goes to get him, you know, have Uriah, Uriah come back. Uh, he will come home for a little bit of leave, uh, spend the night with his wife. And then when she tells him that she is pregnant, he will assume that it is his child. Perfect. Problem solved. Uh, problem is, when Uriah comes, uh, he won't even go inside of his house and uh, spend the night with his wife because all of his fellow soldiers are out in the battlefield. So he's like, well, I can't do that. And so he goes back to the battle, and uh, David is forced to figure out a new solution. And unfortunately for David, plan B goes straight to murder. <laughs> and uh, he decides that the best way to get rid of him is to have Uriah killed then. So then 
no problem, Bathsheba's not married anymore. And so that's exactly what he does. Uh, he sends Uriah to be the very front lines of the battle and then tells all the generals to, uh, when the time is right, to pull all of the soldiers back except for Uriah. And so Uriah is killed in action. And uh, problem solved. There you go. Life is perfect now for David and Bathsheba to live happily ever after. Almost. Not quite. <laughs> Almost perfect plan, but not quite. Mm -hmm. And enter the prophet Nathan. Great name. Mm -hmm. Great prophet. <laughs> uh, the prophet Nathan comes in, and that is what our scripture reading uh, holds for this morning. This is from uh, the story that we'll pick up here from Second Samuel uh, chapter 12. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little lamb, which he had brought. bought. He brought it up and grew up with him and his children. It used to eat his meager fare and drink from his cup and lie at his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was loath to take one of his own flock and herd or herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. So he took the poor man's lamb and prepared that for the guest who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against that man. He said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. He shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he has no pity. Nathan said to David, you are the man. Here ends the reading. Yeah. Man. So the prophet Nathan confronts the king, David, and does it via this little story, like a parable. And so I'm just kind of curious. So what do you think about the way that Nathan confronts David, the fact that he does it with a parable? Kind of interesting. I think it was pretty wise um, to, you, you want to try to get people to come around to your way of thinking, it's better than yeah. saying you should think this or you should do this, sure. to tell a story. As a parent, I use this technique a lot. Um, mm -hmm. In this one, though, it doesn't work very well because David's clueless and doesn't get it, and he says, oh, you, you are this guy. Until he does Hello. get it, <laughs> and then he gets it bad. Uh -huh. I gotta tell you, this is a perfect way to tell an overly sensitive musician that he's done wrong. Oh! <laughs> Should we remember that? Do you that? know any yes. sensitive musicians? <laughs> oh my gosh. No, no. I love the idea of using parables to get a point across. And this is, this is a precursor to what Jesus does. Yes. You know, and he uses parables to, to tell the people of what they need to learn. And it is, it is great. And I got to tell you, again, as an overly sensitive musician... Sometimes yeah. using clever tactics are most effective. Sure. But also from what Lisa said, it's clever anyway because when when you confront someone and say, "Hey, you did wrong." Yeah. You know, they're they're going to put up a defense right yeah. away. Yeah. Uh, just quickly. And Nathan was he was wise in that. You know. And what a wonderful way I think we as Minnesotans sometimes we need, I think we need to learn to be brave in confrontation, but this gives us a wonderful, beautiful way to confr confront sure. without aggression. It's a little passive-aggressive is what you're saying. You know, right. passive-aggressive, but it, it's a, you know. It's a healthy. It's a healthy way, a of, healthy yeah. way of, It's truth-telling, yeah, right. no doubt about right. it, right? I mean, you know. It's not that Nathan dances around the truth. He just delivers it in a really creative way, in a way that 
David is willing to hear, right. <laughs> whether mm-hmm. he likes it or not. It's a good analogy. <laughs> right, and it also tells, you know, King David then has his own conviction set in front of him. This is what you deserve by all, yeah. uh, by all accounts. Yeah. Um, and David says, this is what I deserve without actually saying it. Yep. But what's met at the end of the story is not necessarily the death he deserves, but the grace that causes him to linger. Mm-hmm. Um, he remains king despite this incredibly horrific event. Um, yeah. And he's confronted with the reality that God still meets him with grace and compassion and mercy. And I think that's the powerful takeaway for me in the story, yeah. is it moves simply beyond just what could be. Yeah. And that's, I think, you know, it does move David into this life of self-reflection. And we don't have any kind of historical documentation about when he wrote what psalms or mm-hmm. like how many. Right. But a big part of me really feels that because of how David's described before this time and because of this big experience, that a lot of these psalms are written post this experience because he is really forced to reckon with who he is the good and awesome wonderful king parts and the not so great parts the you know the almost perfect but not quite you know and i I think so many of those psalms are written from that not quite point of view Mm -hmm. which is so familiar to us and so it's like god uses this indiscretion of david's as a learning and a moment of grace not only for david but for generations to come thousands of years later here we are still finding peace in these words from like psalm 51 it's beautiful i think there's so much power in uh self-reflection you know reading this story makes me think of when are the times that i i assume a punishment on someone else when I, when I should be coming back and asking myself, what have I done similarly, and what would I choose to do that? You know, I mean, it, it's a wonderful example of us taking that 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 example and doing it to ourselves and saying, when have I judged someone else when I should be looking at myself? Yeah. Well, part of what you know led us to this theme, you know, the man in the mirror is exactly that notion. Because a big part of what Nathan does is he's just holding up a mirror to David. He's mm-hmm. helping David see David for who David is in that moment, which is wrong, big time wrong. <laughs> he is in the wrong, and uh, Nathan helps him see that. And you know, the, the the song "Man in the Mirror" by Michael Jackson has some great lines about how it is that you know having an influence on the world starts with knowing who we are and owning up to those really good parts of us, but also owning up to the parts of us that we're not as proud of. And so uh, we put some of the lyrics in that PDF of the bulletin, if that's something you have, but I'll I'll read just a couple verses of this, and then uh, we actually have all the lyrics of the whole song in front of us, and if if you are... more you know interested i encourage you to give that song a listen or yeah even look for it online the lyrics because you'll see there's some depth to this song for sure uh but so here's some of those lyrics i'm starting with the man in the mirror that that's parenthetical there uh i'm asking him to change his ways change his ways Uh, and no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make that, take a look at yourself and make that change. change. <laughs> there you go, see? Um, what do you hear in these lyrics? Both this section that I just read, but also even the other parts of the song, if you want to draw those in. 
it starts with me. I mean, yeah, yeah. pure and simple. I think if I'm going to be or acknowledge any need for change in the world, I have to, to start in my own heart yeah. um, and think about the ways that I need to reflect my growth edges as a way that we can all grow together. Yeah, I hear create in me a clean heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's Parallels. what it is. Mm-hmm. I've been really um, thinking a lot about arrogance lately and just how it's horrible. And I find myself becoming arrogant every once in a while. And I realized that this is, this is the way we can combat it is by, by taking a chance to self-reflect. You know, um, I love I I've, I love this. So in the gosh, later on in the first verse, he talks about who am I to be blind, pretending not to see their needs. Um, just the fact of there's so much strength in denial, you know, and we need to we need to take that time in our self reflection to kind of pull our heads out of the sand and look around and see what's out there instead of denying what's out there, but trying to face the reality of things, yeah. you know. And I think that's important and difficult and complicated work, that this looking in the mirror. You know, I think about, you know, that, that line, not be not being blind to the, you know, troubles around me. You know, like, it's easy to actually just, you know, absorb ourselves in the news that's that's all mm-hmm. around us. And, and I think there's a point to which that that actually becomes less helpful and actually can blind us to the people that are actual people around our lives, you know? I think to be informed and aware of what's going on in our community, in our country, and the world is good and important, but but only to the point that it, it can't come at the expense of the immediate people around us. And, and I think that's a part of that looking in the mirror, seeing, okay, well, who is right around me? What, what is that immediate need right around me? Mm-hmm. I think when you absorb yourself in news media and things like that, it becomes them. Yeah. And we need to keep ourselves in the equation. Yeah. Create in me a clean heart so that I can look and see what am I turning a blind eye to mm-hmm. and what am I, how am I contributing to whatever they are doing? Because we yeah. all do. Yes. We all contribute. And I was thinking about this as you guys are talking, that one of the things that I'm struck by is, is who are the Nathans in our life that hold us to account? Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but like, I wish I had a big mirror to hold up right. for all you guys. Oh. But I think David would have gone blissfully ignorant without Nathan. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I think it, this would have been a, a story of continuation and as is, except for the fact that Nathan yeah. says, wait a minute, yeah. you need a mirror right now to see what's going on. Um, and I'm, I'm finding some kind of interesting power in that conversation of who are our own people that mm-hmm. that meet us with love and grace and with these tough questions yeah. and then begin to sort of help us examine and re-examine who we are as people of God. And we can we can be those people to others, but we have to know how to how to do that. I'm just thinking of this again, what Nathan did and what you're talking about, can dis- we also have to be able to dispel arrogance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like David, if he wasn't confronted in that way, probably was had to kind of protect himself with, oh, I did right, you know, with arrogance. But if it, it's a wonderful device. Yeah. He proves he's willing to do pretty much anything to be in the right, to protect his reputation, to cover up his, his mistakes. And... Uh, you know, and thank goodness Nathan comes along and helps him learn mm-hmm. because 
the, you know, in, in a way, the, the kingdom is better for it. He's a better king for it. And we're better for it for, for like I said, said earlier, these psalms that he wrote that uh, have true and deep reflections on faith. If, if David was carrying the weight of this indiscretion, because he would have carried it, when, when we err, we carry the, those weights with us. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he would have carried that in some heavy ways. And, and truth be told, he does carry it. That's a part of the, the uh, condemnation that comes in the following verses from Nathan is there is a price to be paid still for this indiscretion. Um, but uh, David doesn't die. He does remain king, and he's a different king because of it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I looked down some lyrics here, and just what you just said, Nathan. A willow deeply scarred, somebody's broken heart, and a washed-out dream. That's what that reminded me of. Yeah. Just that there's a price to pay and that not every just because you've engineered plan B and covered your butt. Uh-huh. It there's still brokenness mm-hmm. and hurt. And I think what what helps us through those times when we're either, you know, the one holding up the mirror or we're, you know, needing the mirror held up to us is the loving support of people. You know, the, mm-hmm. those mirrors can't be held up as a gotcha because <laughs> that's not effective. No. Uh, it has to be held up with love. And and that's, I think, what, when a family is at their best, binds together a family. When we as a church are at our best, it's what binds us together. It's that, it's that love that's at the core of it, not a spiteful, like, gotcha kind of moment. Like, that's not what this is about. Um, it feels like that for David, I don't doubt. I'm sure David felt like he just got played uh, and was mad. But, mm. you know, it was done with love and for the good of David and his kingdom in mind. And that's where I think we come to it, is that, mm-hmm. you know, we care for one another. It's that love of God that's going to continue to bind us together as, as a church, as a family, as, as a community, frankly. And so uh, we hold tight to that. Well, thanks for joining us. You can find more information about Elk River Lutheran Church at our website, elkriverlutheran.org. And if you'd like to give to support this podcast and the other ministries of the church, just click that Give button at the top of the homepage. Thanks again, and have a great week. Don't take money, don't take fame, but it might just save your life to be powered by love.